Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Thankful that you are here with us. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to go ahead and turn with me uh, two different places. We're going to spend the beginning of our time together in Isaiah chapter 61. So if you would turn to Isaiah chapter 61. But then we are also going to end this morning by looking at Luke chapter 4. So if you would, both Isaiah 61 and Luke chapter 4 this morning, those will be our texts. We're continuing the series that we've been in for the month of December. We're looking at Old Testament prophecies that were fulfilled by Jesus. We're looking to see uh, when we sang that song just a few minutes ago, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. As, as the people were, were waiting for Emmanuel to come, for God to come and be with us, as the people were waiting for the Messiah, what were they waiting for? Why were they so excited about His coming? What had been promised to them? So we're going to see those things. We're going to look at those things in Isaiah 61, and then we're going to also see how they are fulfilled in Jesus in Luke chapter 4 as well. So I want to begin by giving you actually just a little bit of background from Isaiah 59. I just want to read one verse. It's where this section that we're going to be in today begins. It's my prayer that we will eventually go back and look at this entire section. But Isaiah 59, 14, just listen to this verse. It says, justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public squares, and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself pray. And that's pray, P-R-E-Y, as in one that would be attacked. And so the idea here is... They're living in a time when, when justice is just turned away. There's no justice. When, when righteousness is far off, when truth is stumbled and, and everything's bad, it reminds me somewhat of the text that we see just before the flood when, it, when it's this idea that everything and everyone has turned to their own evil way. So, so righteousness and uprightness and morality... All of these things, are, they're, they're lacking, they're missing. So much so that it says that if you were to quit doing evil and start doing what's right, you're prey, you're basically a sitting duck in the world at this point in time. And so living in a world like that, which many of us can identify with, we can feel like we're in a world where uh, many things are corrupt, where it's hard to trust our neighbors, where it's hard to trust uh, the government, where it's hard to trust sometimes church officials, Right, where it's hard to trust our hearts and our thoughts and our emotions, where everything seems to be out of control. And so what promises were made to these people living in a time like that? And if you would, look with me in Isaiah 61, and we'll see that text. Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, the prophecy says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. 
So from the, the broader context, and we're not, we don't have time to go through all of the context and all of the verses around this, so you'll have to take my word on this, or you can go back and look later. But from the surrounding context, we know that this person that's speaking in Isaiah 61.1 is the Messiah. Right, This is the promised one that is coming. This is the anointed one, if you were able to watch the lesson from this Wednesday night, the chosen one, the anointed one, the one that's been, been hand-picked by God that was coming, the Messiah. This is the Messiah speaking. And so the Messiah is saying, when I come, these things are coming with me. When I come, these are the things that I'm going to do. So that the Spirit of God rests on the Messiah, and then we see these promises. And so what I really want us to spend a bulk of our time this morning doing is looking at these promises. And I want you to think deeply and for a long time about these promises that were given to people living in a corrupt and difficult time, that were living in a time when they were hurting and when they needed hope and when they needed help, these promises were made to them. So, so the Messiah is coming, and he says that the Lord has anointed him, the Lord has chosen him, first of all, to bring good news to the poor. Now, the poor here didn't just refer to people that didn't have very much money. Obviously, people that don't have any money in poverty would fit into this group. But the idea could be anyone that was beat down, anyone that was oppressed, anybody that had, had had to do without, whether it was monetarily or physically had had to do without things that they needed or spiritually had had to do without things that they needed. All of these people could fit into the category of the poor. And if you have ever needed something and had to do without it, if you've ever been oppressed or beat down by someone, then you understand that when you're in that place, you could use some good news. You could use something that would lift your spirit. And so the Messiah says, when I come, I'm bringing good news to these sort of people, to hurting people, to poor people. In this context, I just want to make sure that I'm clear, in this context, we would all fit into the category of being the poor. We have all dealt, if nothing else, at least spiritually, with doing without at some point in our life, of being in need. He's bringing good news to us, brothers and sisters. The Messiah then says that, it, that he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. We see that there in verse 1, to bind up the broken heart. Now, what does that mean to bind up the brokenhearted? The, the idea of brokenhearted, we understand, right? Everybody understands what it means to have a broken heart. But I did hear a, a good definition from a scholar this week of this, this exact thing. He said, the word heart is so versatile a word that brokenhearted covers any and every human breakdown from emotional prostration to conviction of sin. So he says here that brokenhearted, a lot of times we equate brokenhearted with, with like a, an emotional breakup, right? You've been dating somebody and they break up with you or, or you have a, a dog and your dog dies and you're brokenhearted and, and it's this idea of loss. But, but he's saying here that here the idea of brokenhearted is anyone that's dealing with any difficulty. Emotionally you are tired or you're worn out or you, are, you feel like you just 
can't get anywhere and can't get anything done, or you feel like you have been lacking for love and affection and someone to care for you and to say kind things to you, if you are in those categories, if you are hurting in some way, if you've been oppressed by sin and the guilt and the conviction of sin in your life, then you would fit into the category of being brokenhearted. And to bind up the brokenhearted is the idea of like bandaging up a wound. And so when I read this text, I cannot read this text without picturing a mother. Of course, specifically, I always picture Amanda. And so I can picture just across the road there, one of the kids playing uh, on their scooter or something and falling on the driveway and scraping their knee. And they're crying and they're hurting. And Amanda going to them and, and her only desire at that moment is to try and make it better. Right, to hold them, to console them, to go get a warm soapy rag to try and to try and dot the place that's that's been their skin's broken and to try and help them not hurt. Or the picture of an old a parent with an older child, a teenager or a grown child that that has just had a breakup or that has just gotten the news that they've lost their job or some other terrible news and and this mother just just holding their child, just standing there and hugging them and trying to trying to say things to give them peace in a moment like that. And that's this idea of, of personally, the Messiah personally coming to us that are brokenhearted to bind up our wounds. He says, I'm coming and I'm coming to help you because you're hurting and you are having a difficult time. And I've been sent to try and make those things better. I have been sent to make those things better. And so I want you to just think for just a moment. I don't do this often in a sermon. But for just a moment, I want to pause and I want you to think about that idea of God himself leaving heaven to come here to personally come and attend to our broken hearts. To care about what's hurting you. To care about what has been wearing you down. That he came personally to attend to those things. He continues. He says, I've come to, I'm coming to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And so for us, this would be a little bit further off in thought. Not many of us have been captives who were bound, but the idea here would literally be people that were being restrained, right? Being restrained by all sorts of things. The, the immediate picture would be physically restrained like you're in prison and the prison bars are restraining you from getting where you want to or you have been kidnapped these are people that had been in exile that had dealt with exile so they knew what it was like to literally be kidnapped to literally be held captive and so we see this picture here the idea of he's coming for people that are being held captive to set them free as if he's literally going to go to the prison and the people that are in the jail cells, he's going to open the door of the jail cell and say, you are free to go. Or the picture of, of the, the police showing up, of um, someone that's been kidnapped, and, and the police show up there, and they, they uh, take the kidnappers into custody, and they say to the person, you are now free to go. You are not being held back anymore. The same language that's used here, we'll see that Jesus is going to use it 
with a different interpretation because the wording could mean this as well, but it could also, it means opening the doors of a prison, but it can also mean opening the eyes of people that are blind. And if you could picture that, if you could literally imagine never having seen, not knowing colors, not knowing all of the beauty of nature, and then the moment that your eyes were open and you could see all of the things around us. That's the picture here. Messiah says, I'm coming to do that. If you're bound and in prison, I'm coming to set you free. If your eyes are darkened and you are blind, I'm coming to make it so that you can see. This is what the Messiah says he's coming to do. And, and in continuing with that idea of setting free people that had been enslaved, he says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And most likely this is a reference to the year of Jubilee, right, that came around only every so often. It was a, a very large gap between the year of Jubilee. But when it came around, all slaves were set free, all debts were wiped clean, and all land was given back to its original owners. And so for people that had been in debt, for people that had been slaves, the year of Jubilee was an exciting time. It was a great time to look forward to. And the Messiah says, when I come, that's what it's going to be like. Point one, the Messiah was coming to offer peace and comfort to all that were hurting. That's why they're looking forward, right? That's why they are singing, or or we picture Israel as singing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Their prayer that he would come, that he would come hastily, that he would come quickly. Lord, come, because they were waiting. They wanted the peace. They wanted the comfort. They wanted the help. They wanted the hope. That's why they were so excited about the Messiah coming. And if you've picked up, I go back and forth between saying when the Messiah came or or when he was coming, or he did or he was going to do, and it's because it's both, right? In Isaiah 61, it was when the Messiah comes, but for you and me, it's the Messiah has already come. right? They were waiting for the Messiah, but we have already seen his coming, and it's why we celebrate Christmas. So look with me in Luke chapter 4. I want you to see the fulfillment of these promises. These promises to set free people that are slaves, to bind up broken hearts, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I want you to see these things taking place. Where is it that these take place? Where is it that good news is brought to the poor? And in Luke 4, beginning in verse 16, we see this. It's speaking of Jesus. It says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. And this is what he read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And then listen to verse 21. And Jesus, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. 
So what does Jesus do? Jesus walks in the synagogue, and he, he stands up to read, and they give him the, the scroll of Isaiah, and he goes to this specific text that we read just a minute ago. And he reads this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I've been anointed to bring good news to the poor. I've been anointed to come and proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are, those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolls it up, and he hands it back, and he says, Today this has happened. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, I am the Messiah. I am the anointed one. I am the chosen one. And I've come to do all of these things. And brothers and sisters, that's exciting news. Why do I start yelling when I say it? Because I'm excited. Because this is good for me to hear. This is good for my heart. Because the things that they longed for, the things that they wanted to see happen, we have seen happen. They needed good news, and we have good news. That's why we call it the gospel, because that's what it means, good news. They needed to be set free, and we have been set free by Jesus. That's point two. It's the other point of the text this morning. Jesus is the Messiah that came to do all of these things. And really, as far as the study of Isaiah 61, 1 and 2 goes for this morning, that's the end of it. Here were the promises. God was sending a special chosen person to, to bring good news and to set people free and to, and to fix broken hearts. And Jesus is the one that he sent to do it. That's the end of the text. That's our understanding of it. That's what we see here. But I will point out one other thing this morning. Because when we think about being poor, we mainly think about physical, monetary debt. And one day it is true that no one in the kingdom of God will be poor. No one will have an empty stomach. No one will be without a place to live. Those things are true. But I believe the fulfillment of this for us now here on earth is not about monetary value, it's about spirituality, right? We were poor in spirit, we were lost because of our sin, and so we are poor in spirit because we lacked spiritually the things that we needed. But Christ has come to us who were spiritually poor to bring good news. He has set us free from debt, but it's not debt to the bank to the mortgage company, to the lenders. It's debt to sin. Right? You have sinned, and I have sinned. We are unworthy of being God's children. We are worthy of God's wrath. We are deserving of God's wrath. We were in bondage to sin. We were slaves to sin, as Paul tells us in the book of Romans. That literally we continue to sin whether we wanted to or not. And so we fit all of these categories. Right? We were poor in spirit. We were slaves. We were in bondage. Sin wrecked our lives and caused us to do things we didn't want to do. And it hurt us. And it hurt our family. And it hurt our co-workers. All of these people hurt, and so we're brokenhearted. We are the poor. We are the brokenhearted, brothers and sisters. 
Before we came to Christ, before we were saved, we were all of these things. But the promise is this, that Jesus is the Messiah, the chosen one who has come to set us free from all of these things. How did he do that? By his own blood. He left heaven and came to earth, Emmanuel, God with us. He lived a perfect life and never sinned. Yet he still died a terrible, excruciating, horrible death where he took the penalty that we deserve. He made a ransom so that those of us who were slaves to sin could be set free from sin. That's what Christ did on the cross. Then he came back to life and proved that he is God and that he will forever be God. And so now, because the Messiah has come, we that are poor have heard good news. And we that were brokenhearted can have God come to us personally and show us love and care and affection to take care of our things that have broken our hearts. We that were slaves to sin can be set free from sin. And what it requires is that we would respond in faith to Jesus Christ the Messiah. That we would respond in faith to Him. That we would declare that He is Lord that we would give our lives to Him, that we would commit ourselves to following Him and doing the things that He has called us to. And when we do that, brothers and sisters, we will understand all of these truths. If you are here this morning and you do not understand why Jesus' coming is called good news to the poor, then I believe it's because your heart has not experienced being set free by Jesus Christ. If you are here and, you, and your heart is still broken... You're here this morning and you feel like you are striving and you are not getting anywhere. If you're here this morning and you are still a slave to sin, you you find yourself sinning over and over, doing things that you don't want to do. And sin is just wrecking your life. Maybe you're here today and you still feel like you're blind, not in the sense of you can't see, but you just don't feel anything. You don't feel love. You don't feel like anybody loves you, and you don't feel like you truly love anyone else. It just feels dark. Emotionally and spiritually, your life just feels empty and dark. I want you to know that when you come and respond in faith to Jesus Christ the Messiah and experience His love, His love is so great that His love will cause you to love Him and it will cause you to to love other people and it will be as if emotionally the eyes of your heart have been opened and you can see. And the guilt and the pain that you feel because of your sin will be forgiven. And you will know the promise of eternal life. And you will know peace and hope and joy and brothers and sisters. This is why Christmas is such a big deal. This is why we celebrate so deeply the fact that God left heaven and came to earth. Because when he did, he came anointed by God to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. If you've never experienced that before, I invite you today that you would pray and ask God, Father, help me to know that I need you. Convict me of my sin and let me see how broken I am.
Father, give me the strength to respond in faith to your son, Jesus. If you have questions about that, Brother Zach, what does that mean? How do I do that? I would love to answer those questions. You can reach out to me. You can text. You can call. You can reach out via Facebook. But if you have questions, if you are uncertain about whether or not you know these promises and these truths from Jesus the Messiah, I would ask, I would beg of you, I would urge you greatly that you would settle those things with the Lord today and that you would not wait, that you could rejoice with us about the true meaning of Christmas. If y'all don't mind, let's finish by praying this morning. Father God, you have been so good to us. Lord, that while we were sinners, that while we were enemies of you, while we were unworthy of your Son and your glory, that Jesus left heaven and came to earth to be God with us, to show us a perfect example of how to live, to bring good news, to bring freedom, to bring hope, to bring peace, to bring joy to those of us that were poor and broken and in need, in desperate need of those things. Lord, you have been so much better to us than we deserve. Lord, today as we, as we sit here, we're reminded that Jesus is worth celebrating. That the things that he has brought to us are good things. Lord, that our life is immensely and eternally greater because of his presence here on earth. Because of his perfect death and because of his resurrection. So, Lord, I pray today that those that are here that know you, celebrate you. Celebrate what you have done and how worthy you are of our praise. And those that are here that do not know you, Father, that you would convict them of their sin. That you would call them in their need to respond to you. Father, that they would respond in faith and that they would also be your children that know these promises. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to be together even in a different setting as we are. Lord, thank you for loving us when we were unlovable. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.